It is now seven o'clock, so we will make a start. Welcome to those in the chamber, welcome to those outside who may be listening to uh, the Cabinet meeting of the 17th of February. Um, before we get underway um, with apologies and declarations of interest, I just want to read the first paragraph of a press release, which I think people will want to hear. It's very good news, and we've been waiting a long time for this. Um, it's entitled Stansted Health Centre Progresses. Um, a new health centre for Stansted Mount Fitchett has progressed to the next phase with the completion of formalities between GP partners at Stansted Surgery and Hilton Properties took place today, uh, brackets Tuesday the 17th of February. The paperwork has been formalised and construction of the new facility on Lower Street continues. The health centre will host GP services and will have space for a pharmacy, dentist, community health services, shops and flats. Stansted Surgery, currently on St John's Road, will move into the new premises, which is set to open in autumn 2016. So I'm sure we'll all be very relieved about that, and uh, good luck to them, and uh, I hope we wish them every success. Okay, uh, moving to item one, apologies and declarations of interest. Chairman, yes, I have had apologies from uh, councillors Howell and Mackman. And Ranger. Minutes of the previous meeting. For those present, are they an accurate record? In which case we shall move to item three, matters arising. Uh, and I take the front page, which is just welcome on public speaking. Items 71 to 74. 75, 76. Chairman, could I ask on 76 how many people are using this on a weekly basis, the park and ride scheme? Are you talking about the park and ride at the high school? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the first uh, two weeks, it was one person, I believe, per day. Um, as I understand it, uh, two weeks ago, that was up to near 20. Um, and clearly, as the season progresses and we get into spring, um, then it will be used more increasingly. We have uh, increased the publicity. Uh, there is now... Um, um, a, a, a sign on, on the road into Saffron Walden and we're also going to put some kind of signage up at Swan Meadow for those who can't get into Swan Meadow so the promotional work carries on uh, and we continue to advertise it uh, throughout uh, the area as well but it is growing Councillor Cheatham Okay, thank you, Chairman. Yes, my husband and I used it because if you come up from the south of the district, it's very convenient to use. And can I um, please ask you to pass on thanks to our staff who stand there and help and uh, um, explain the system and how uh, often the buses are running. I would like just to add, though, that the bus driver said he was having problems to wait a couple of the five minutes that he hoped to wait outside uh, the Waitrose um, Laura Ashley Point because of all the cars that were parked on the road there. And I don't know whether we can do anything about making sure that the cars are not parked there because it does stop the, um, the bus being able to wait its allocated, allocated time. Thank you. 
Chairman, if I could respond to that, I understand that unfortunately these spaces are blue badge holders that are parking there, so it is quite difficult as blue badge holders can evidently park in a location like this. But um, do the best we can in the circumstances. Uh, I would also like to uh, go on record to thank Mr Harbour and the team for uh, completing Swan Meadow on time. Swan Meadow is really working well. It's full, but there always seems to be the odd vacancy. Um, I, I don't, that may not always continue. I think it will become very full uh, as, as we approach Easter. But uh, there is extra capacity, over 40 extra spaces. The car park still looks um, you know, pleasing in a sort of environmental way. We've still got some trees to plant, which I imagine we're going to do fairly soon as we're in the tree planting season and uh, areas will be resurfaced uh, in the right conditions. So I think that's, uh, that has worked well. Okay, moving on. Uh, item 77. Councillor Redfern. Um, yes, I'd just like to um, mention um, we talk here about the extra care unit in Rabwinter Road in Saffron Walden and this actually has now gone through and got its um, full planning permission. It went to the last... Um, Planning Committee. That's very good news. Item 78. 79. 80. 80. Which takes us through to the end of the meeting. because I believe that some local district councils are challenging this in the High Court. Do we have any feedback on what is going on? There are two, uh, two, um, I think, two local authorities around Oxford, I think, that have challenged. Uh, Mr Harper may have a comment, and I'll ask him in just one moment, uh, but I have got... Uh, positive news in so far that our uh, Member of Parliament, Sir Alan Hazelhurst, has arranged a meeting for myself with Brandon Lewis on March the 4th when I'll be raising this matter. This follows the letter that I wrote to the Prime Minister about housing numbers in total and contributions in general. But you're absolutely right. Uh, a, a, a number of authorities are taking this to court. I don't know, Mr Harbour, if you have any update. No, I'm afraid I'm not aware of the details, uh, Leader, but uh, we can investigate. Okay, well, thank you for that. I shall duly sign the minutes um, as a true record. Um, moving now to item four, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council. Councillor Dean. Yes, Chairman, I'd like to raise one point at this stage which does relate to the budget. Um, well, first of all, um, like yourself, I'm delighted that the lease has now been signed for the health centre in Stansted. Yesterday, some of us had a, a meeting in Stansted with the local doctors and we were informed that it was intended that that would happen today. We were also discussing car parking matters and I think there's progress being made on that as well, particularly that um, patients will have uh, parking associated with the health centre. But the point I'd like to raise, I, I think I'm, I'd like to hook it onto page 77, um, which, which maybe you wish to look at. It's the, it's the page on, on reserves um, and the Strategic Initiatives Fund, which, which in this budget shows um, a figure of 
£1,387,000 being in that reserve, not in perpetuity, but at least until um, March 2020. In other words, the, the budget at the moment shows no initiatives and no expenditure from uh, next year onwards. Um, and that just m reminds me that, if you remember, Mr Chairman, we, we had a, a meeting in December uh, on various Stansted matters, and one of the things that we talked about afterwards was the possibility of some form of initiative on Cambridge Road where there is vacant land at the moment that could come into partial or even full public use in some way to revitalise the, the centre. I just, I'm just making a point now that uh, maybe there's a scheme there that could be worked up and I'd just like your agreement that we can continue that dialogue to see whether there is a prospect for that, which may or may not be appropriate to hook onto that, but it uh, is certainly the sort of thing that, uh, that would, would qualify, I would have thought. It, 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 it might, uh, and indeed in Stansted the other thing we talked about was the possibility of an extension to the car park yes. uh, as well. Um, we, will, we will go back and, and look at that. The Strategic Initiative Fund, uh, it, it, the clue is in the title, it is about being strategic and also we're very keen that it gives us a longer term interest when we get to it. There are a couple of schemes that we'll... Uh, Right, we're not announcing tonight because I think uh, they've been in the public domain, but we will refer to tonight that do just that. But I will certainly ask uh, Mr Harborough to take that on board. I think it's been taken on board already, but it, no, it is not lost, Councillor Dean. You're quite right. Thank you. Okay, so if no other points, uh, matters referred to the executive. In which case that brings us on to agenda item six, where we have a paper... Uh, from the scrutiny committee. So I call upon Councillor Godwin just to speak to that paper. Uh, I don't know whether everybody has got a copy of this paper. Um, well, I'll read it for those who haven't. Um, and it's on the 10th of February 2015, the scrutiny committee received and considered all of the budget papers that are before you as items 8 to 15 on your agenda tonight. I would like to thank the Cabinet members, Councillors Rolfe, Redfern and Chambers for coming along and contributing to the discussions. It's very helpful. I am very pleased to tell you all that a comprehensive discussion took place on each of the items. There was excellent questioning from members and similar quality answers provided by officers and the three Cabinet members in attendance. In all of the reports, the Scrutiny Committee endorsed the recommendations before you tonight. Finally, the Scrutiny Committee would, was particularly pleased to see that the recommendation from the Day Centre Review for a fixed-term part-time post had been included in the budget. Um, and I would personally like to thank the officers who have worked so hard, Adrian and his team with Angela, who've done an awful lot of work to put this, all the budget papers into what has become a very clear form and the, mem and the amount of training that they have given members 
over the years so that they do now understand the process. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Godwin. That's uh, very generous comments. Any uh, comments on that meeting, which was a very good meeting? There's work to be done on the day centres, Councillor Redfern, but I think you have that in hand. The reaction from the day centres seems to have been favourable, I think, at the end of the um, year that this is happening. There should be a review. Okay. Good. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think that was an item for information. Do I need to put that to just no? Okay. The next item, seven, is an item for decision. Um, it's on the corporate plan and the corporate risk register, and it's in my name. Um, so I'm actually going to summarise by going to page 21. Um, because for those who haven't a paper in front of them, uh, I will just uh, spell out in slightly greater detail what the key themes of the, um, of the plan are. Uh, the first is that we are a high-quality council, uh, and the wording around that is that we continue to listen and respond to our communities so we stay focused on our customers' needs and the delivery of high-quality key services that matter. The second priority is that we remain a low-tax council. The third, that we, have, we will have shared the benefits of growth with our communities. I think it should read in a responsible way. It actually reads and, but I'm sure we can correct that. In a responsible way that protects and enhances our environment. And finally, um, that we are delivering thriving communities. And against each of those four objectives, there are uh, a, a number of... Um, uh, measures in terms of uh, we will do this by. I won't obviously read all of those out, but uh, uh, there are quite a number against each of those four. So that in summary um, is the corporate plan and uh, it, the, the uh, strap line is that we are a high quality, uh, in fact we are the high quality and low tax council. Uh, happy to take questions, but maybe if I do corporate risk register and we can do the questions in their entirety. You have the um, uh, corporate risks at uh, the end of this paper, um, and um, the action plan uh, and uh, the actual corporate risk. So uh, if there are any questions on either the corporate plan or the corporate risk register, I'd be pleased to take them. Councillor Barker. Chairman, this is an updated corporate plan for 2015 to 2020, so could we correct the typo in the top line, which should read cutting council tax in 2015-16 as the first year of our corporate plan? Very well spotted. Thank you. Councillor Dean. I'd, I'd like to make reference to the, um, on page 21, where it refers to a robust and relevant local plan that's in the third box down and then going to an unnumbered page two page or three pages later I don't know whether it's page 23 or not no 24 but it's the second page of the corporate risks where <clears throat> where again it's, it, the, the, the objective is to have a robust and relevant local plan so we continue to meet local housing needs, especially high quality, affordable and local authority housing. And the identified risk or the thing to be avoided is failure to meet objectively assessed housing need and identify 
suitable deliverable sites. I, I'd just like to pick up the, the theme that I raised once or twice at the planning workshop at the end of January. I, I think it would be more complete uh, if, if it also had another sentence along the lines of failure to have a vision and planning framework for the district and this is a point that I, I made at the workshop that I think first of all one needs a, some sort of overarching framework set a, a vision where the district's going where the better places for well not necessarily places but where the better sorts of locations are in terms of access and where where the less suitable ones are and I think that's the sort of thing uh, and equally well, you know, which villages will benefit from growth because of their particular situation. So I'm, I'm just suggesting that the, the wording as it stands at the moment says, well, find out how many houses you need and then ask people or ask landowners where they'd like to put them. I think there's a step before that, which is about defining and communicating some sort of vision to which people can respond so they know the way the council is thinking and that may mean that some don't waste their time and put in applications and it may mean that it triggers others to say well this is a, a better sort of location without being too specific or at all specific at this stage about particular fields if you, if you get my drift. So that, that's the that's my, my yeah, point and, and that is a school plan. of thinking. I'll ask the chief executive to comment as well. Uh, that is a school of thinking, but it, it flies in the face of one of our core uh, objectives around this plan, uh, one of which is that we're transparent. I think we've talked about that. The other is that we are objective. Now, to suggest that X or Y would make a great place for whatever you're suggesting is taking away the, uh, the objective assessment of that potential site against any other potential site. And uh, I think that would, that would be improper. Uh, I think it terribly important that we are able to have a full range of options and then to objectively assess those options against agreed criteria. That way everybody is crystal clear about the process. There is no element of predetermination and that is the basis upon which we, we wish to proceed. Clearly, I think we all agree that the, the primary point is to understand the numbers we all might have our views as to what those numbers might be, but we again have got to empirically um, complete that study so that there is an agreed number that it m matches uh, what uh, the, the inspector uh, it has gone through a process that the inspector will be satisfied with, that the Schmar, the Schla, uh, the duty to go operate and the plan are, are all uh, uh, co-terminus um, in terms of when they're brought to uh, consultation. So uh, I understand what you're saying uh, but I think it's putting the uh, cart in front of the horse on this occasion and I do believe that objectivity and assessment is, is, is key. Chief Executive. Thank you, Leader. I understand the point Councillor Jean is making but this is a specific uh, policy around the delivery of 
housing rather than the whole local plan. So the, the local plan is the, the backdrop to that delivery. And so the risk is really focused on the, the housing element rather than the whole plan. And so that is the risk here that we have assessed is around failure to meet objectively, objectively assessed housing need and suitable sites. So it is a quite a focused risk. If we want to do something broader on the whole local plan, then I think that the, your, your, your answer to, to the question, uh, Leader, is the right one. So I think it's a, it's a combination of factors. These risks aren't set in stone. We do revisit them every quarter as we go to the um, Performance and Audit Committee and we'll be reviewing them. Obviously, we've got to set some targets around these risks which we haven't done yet. You see, we've just got the, the plain um, policy and the risk. So, so it's work to be done, but that's something that the Performance and Audit Committee can help with as the new council rolls out next year. Thank you. Can I yep. just come back briefly to say that what I'd like to suggest is that we review that risk and any other relevant ones with the planning advisory service when they, they come yep. and, and review the way we're going about it because yep. you know, I, I still think that you can create some sort of framework without predetermining particular sites, which I, and, and I agree, Mr Chairman, that that's important that we don't do that, that we don't jump the gun, but equally well, I don't want us to go down the wrong track because we haven't got a, any kind of big picture to, to, to tell developers about. No, that is a yeah. perfectly reasonable yeah. request, and that's the purpose that we're working with the PAS, so I'm sure Mr Harper will make a note of that and we'll incorporate it. Thank you. Any other items, Councillor Chambers? Leader, if I could just make a comment saying that the corporate plan, which I think is an excellent corporate plan, uh, fully continues to link with the budget. And I think it's important to say that over the last few years we have linked the corporate plan to the budget and the two are intricately linked. Thank you, Leader. Thank you. Okay, uh, just to remind you, the corporate plan is updated annually. The Chief Executive has already referred to the risk register, which is updated on an even more regular basis than that, and there have been comments that we will come back to certain items. So the recommendation is point two, that the draft corporate plan for 2015-2020 uh, and corporate risk register be approved for submission to full council on the 26th of February. Those in favour? Sorry, I need a proposer. Uh, I'm the proposer, aren't I? I'll second I need a seconder. With Se that minor amendment. With the minor amendment. Okay, we have a proposer and a seconder. Those in favour? Those against? Abstentions? Right, thank you. Moving on to item 8, I call on Councillor Chambers. Oh, thank you, Leader. Leader, the budget I'm proposing tonight carries on the excellent work the Conservatives have done over the last four years. Our financial position is stable. Our reserves are good, and we are in a situation where I believe we can weather any challenges thrown at us over the next four years. The Conservative Administration is building on the sound platform built up over those last four years. The District Council tax will have been cut by 16% in real terms, and at the same time services have been retained and increased where possible. For instance, the voluntary sector has substantial increase, and in particular the Citizens Advice Bureau, which has had an increase of at least 50%. All in all, we believe that Uttlesford District Council has become one of the best five councils in the country, borne out by all the recent surveys around England. This has been achieved by sound and prudent financial management, and long may it continue. I hope we have done what the majority of Uttlesford residents want us to do, 
They are the people who elected us and they are the people who should benefit. May I thank all the members and the finance officers for all the important and great work that they have done during the previous year and thank them very much for their, for their hard work. At this point, Leader, normally I would take you through each of the reports one by one. However, this year I'm going to present to you all the reports through a single summary. At the end of the summary, I will propose the recommendations for all the reports, and for ease, I have included the recommendations against each item on the summary report on page 23 and 24. I know that at the end of my report, Councillor Redfern, I'm sure we want to talk about those areas of the budget that affect the housing service. With your indulgence, I will take questions at the end of the summary. As you have already heard, the budget papers before you tonight were presented to scrutiny on the 10th of February and after a lot of discussion were approved. I will begin by referring you to the Equalities Impact Assessment on page 25. This is a key document in considering the budget before you. The assessment identifies that there are no inequalities identified. On page 33 is the guidance given by our Section 151 officer around the robustness of estimates and adequacy of reserves. All budgets contain estimates and assumptions, and some level of risk and variability is inevitable. The risks are set out on pages 36 to 38. The only new risk highlighted this year is around universal credit and the risk to the working balance amount should the project be delayed. The highest risk once again relates to the volatility of costs and income in the Council's waste and recycling services. A high risk of business rates, income, being more than budgeted level is also mentioned. This continues to be an impossible area to forecast reliably because of an ongoing backlog of appeals and the lack of clear accounting regulations. Not our fault, Leader, but coming from on high. I shall be closely monitoring these issues with the finance team and will ensure that the Cabinet receives regular updates. For the first time, we have a reserve strategy which is set out on page 41 and proposes changes to the number of our existing reserves and gives the new reserves a purpose and lifespan. I'm sure you will agree with me that this is an excellent document which we can evolve over the forthcoming years. We are advised to maintain our working balance at the current level of £1.2 million and to manage other risks through earmarked reserves. I concur with this advice, which I consider to be sound and well explained. The Council is keen to further support the excellent work being done by the housing team in delivering new Council housing and upgrading our sheltered units. 
On page 57, agenda item 10, and I'm sure this is the one that, that most interests Councillor Redfern, I know the whole budget does, but <coughs> this in particular, is a proposal which will help achieve this. This principle has already been discussed and agreed at the Tenants Forum and Housing Board. The General Fund cannot simply loan money to the Housing Revenue Account as it will breach the debt cap imposed as part of the housing changes of three years ago when the Council had to took, take out a loan of £88.4 million. Now this loan that we had to take out very much helped us because when we looked at negative housing subsidy, we basically lost a lot of money from council rents that went to central government. At least by taking control of our own debt which the government incurred on us, it does mean to say that we have a lot more possibilities within the housing uh, department. Currently, the designated temporary accommodation units are part of the housing revenue account. As this is a general fund service, there is an opportunity to transfer them to the general fund at full market value. This will provide the housing revenue account with a capital receipt estimated to be £1,047,000 subject to the Secretary of State approval. I can announce this evening, Leader, that we have had that approval from the Secretary of State, so the capital receipt can then be used to, to continue to deliver the new housing programme. I trust that you will agree with me that this is an excellent idea and one we should all support. On page 61, we have the medium-term financial strategy, better known as the MTFS. The MTFS identifies that we have a stable financial position and budget surpluses are expected for at least the next two years. From 2017 onwards, the healthy position will continue if new homes bonus funding carries on as it is. However, we cannot be sure of this, and regardless of what happens in the 2015 general election, some sort of reform is likely. The key point in the strategy is, therefore, once we have some idea of what the new government is doing in terms of new homes bonus, we need to react if necessary to reduce the extent to which our revenue fund, uh, budget is funded from new homes bonus. We will maintain financial discipline and continue to look for new ways of providing uh, services at a lower cost and where appropriate to grow our income from other sources such as business rates. As reported in the reserve strategy, our reserves are also healthy at about £5.7 million. This is sufficient to cope with all foreseeable scenarios and there will be opportunities to make some meaningful investments in services next year. However, this must be done in a way that avoids adding ongoing pressure to the Council's bottom line. 
in case there are changes after 2017. It is important to finish this item by repeating that the Council will continue to have a sound financial position for the next few years at least. On pages 79 through to page 114 is the Treasury Management Strategy. The strategy governs the use of bank accounts and is designed to minimise risk while ensuring prudency of investment and borrowing. The strategy includes various technical measures of prudence and sustainability, which show that the proposed strategy is sound. It has been reviewed and endorsed by our independent advisers, Arling Close. During next year, and indeed the next five years, we do not expect that any external borrowing will be needed. As will be mentioned later, housing debt repayment is due to commence in 2018. We will, of course, keep under review possible opportunities to start this earlier, if appropriate. On the investment side, we again intend to operate a prudent approach. The proposed list of suitable investment counterparties is on page 94. Based on Arling Close's advice, it is increasingly important that we diversify our investments to reduce the risk. The strategy therefore proposes a limit of £2 million for each bank above A- and £1 million with banks of triple B+. Instead of concentrating our funds in a small number of banks, we propose to continue to deposit monies with other local authorities, with a limit of £3 million, where previously there was no limit, and building societies with a limit of £1 million, which is an increase from half a million pounds in the 1415 strategy. No investments are proposed for a time span of more than 365 days, which of course is one year, with the exception of the Debt Management Office, the DMO if people have actually looked in their papers, which of course is government controlled. So that we can support important local businesses, the strategy says that we can place funds with the Saffron Building Society with an increased limit of half a million pounds, which was previously a quarter of a million in 1415. On page 115 is the capital programme for the next five years. It sets out a programme for 2015-16 for £3.9 million of expenditure on general fund schemes and £9.8 million of expenditure on housing schemes, a total of £13.7 million. The general fund schemes include Dunmo Depot, Plans are in place to purchase a piece of land to relocate the site to a more suitable area so that those people in Dunmo that live up New Street or you have to go up there don't have to have enormous dust carts coming down between a very narrow road. Saffron Walden Ren uh, Castle renovation which will make this a safe and enjoyable place to visit. A grant has been applied for from English Heritage Fund to support the financing of this project. 
These offices at London Road are in need of substantial improvements. A condition survey was carried out and identified the main areas of concern. The programme of work has been put in place to repair and redecorate, including the revamp of the toilets in the reception area. And could I say at this point, Leader, that nothing, not an awful lot of money, certainly by this Council, has been spent since it was opened in 1990. The housing schemes include substantial investment in the redevelopment of sheltered housing units and new council housing, to be discussed later in the housing report. Overall, the programme will deliver lasting benefits for council tenants, service users and the whole district. On page 129 is the housing revenue account budget for 2015-16 and the five-year business plan strategy. This has been endorsed by the Tenants Forum, the Housing Board and the Scrutiny Committee. It covers the budget for council housing services only and this will be the fourth year of the 30-year business plan. It is proposed that there is an average rent increase of 2.2% which has been calculated in line with government recommended guidelines of using consumer price index plus 1%. This is a change from previous year's guidelines where we were required to work towards rent convergence. The budget includes £3.2 million of funding for the ongoing in-year capital repairs programme for our existing stock. Also included is a headroom revenue contribution of £2.4 million towards new and improved council housing, such as Reynolds Court, Mead Court and Catons Lane schemes. In total, there is £5.6 million of investment in this year's housing revenue account budget. The five-year forecast on page 139 shows that total investment in housing improvements during the next five years will be around £42 million, which includes £12 million investment for sheltered housing. In 2018, we are due to commence repayments on our £88 million debt, which I have explained earlier. This will be at the rate of £2 million per year in 1718 and 1819. Even after allowing for this, substantial investment in new and better council housing will continue. Now we come to the final report, which is the General Fund and Council Tax 2015-16. On the 4th of December 2014, the Cabinet agreed a budget strategy which, as can be seen from the table on 148, has been met. The residence consultation is on page 149, along with how the budget addresses each item. <coughs> Businesses were consulted and invited to comment. However, unfortunately, no responses were received. The key parts of this budget are set out on page 154 and include investment in our grounds maintenance team, to enhance the service and ensure that our district is kept neat and tidy. Investment in day centres has already been mentioned, 
a new part-time post created to assist with the development of the management uh, committees. Continuation of the discretionary business rates relief scheme and £1 million to the Strategic Initiatives Fund to be used for projects that will benefit the local economy. Continuation of the Ward Member New Homes Bonus Scheme with an increase from two to £3,000 per member. This now includes extra criteria as can be seen on page 155.29. The increase in this scheme enables every member to have even more opportunity to make a direct contribution to their communities. Finally, a 3% cut in the district council tax, which will benefit all council taxpayers. We maintain our position as having the lowest council tax in Essex. Finally, Leader, could I say that, please, could you note that there are two changes in respect of fees and charges? The first one relates to pest control and is on page 177. The 2015-16 charge for rats was agreed a couple of years ago and should be £45. The second relates to pre-application planning fees, which is on page 178, and these have been reworked since the report was published. On front of you, I hope you've all got it, is an amended schedule and subject to approval tonight, the report will be amended prior to going to full council. Leader, I hope I have explained all the items separately. Of course, uh, I should be happy to take any questions, but I would like to propose all those recommendations on page 23 and 24, and if you wish me to read them out, I, of course, will do so. Thank you, Leader. Um, thank you very much indeed. Do I have a seconder for those uh, seven proposals? Uh, thank you, Councillor Cheatham. Um, I now call upon Councillor Redfern to add some points about uh, housing, and then we'll open it up to questions generally. Thank you, Leader. Um, obviously, Councillor Chambers has covered much of um, what I would um, Say, so I'm not going to bore you all, at least I hope I'm not, um, but I would like to make some comments particularly on agenda item number eight, the sale of the um, temporary accommodation. And um, as Councillor Chambers has always mentioned, as you all know, um, in 2012, following the HRA reforms, we took a loan of £88.4 million at a very competitive rate. This has enabled us to start an ambitious redevelopment and refurbishment programme of all of our housing assets. Because of this debt cap, we need to release our ownership in the HRA of this temporary accommodation. This really should be owned by the General Fund, as this is where the costs of homelessness are met. This solution will help the housing team continue with our housing strategy, also works for the General Fund by giving a greater return on investment than it currently receives. And I hope that my fellow Cabinet members will agree that this sale of asset makes, a, makes good financial sense for this council and will support this plan. Um, I don't particularly want to say too much about agenda item 14 which is the um, housing revenue um, budget and the five year business plan except for the fact that um, of all the budgets or it, this includes agenda item 8 as well really but of all the items on the 
budget. This one goes through more um, checks than anything else. Um, it goes through the tenants forum. That's then taken to the housing board. We then um, it's then also gone through scrutiny and it's been given the thumbs up all the way through before it even gets to Cabinet and now of course Cabinet will have to propose that this goes to um, full council. So I hope that you all feel that you can, um, can support both of these items because they really have had a thorough check by almost every member of the council. So that's all I'd like to say on that. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Okay, colleagues. Um, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, I, I welcome the papers in front of us. They're all very clear, well laid out. Um, the one issue I would like to, to welcome particularly is the new reserve strategy, which I think sets out quite clearly how and why we hold the reserves that we do, which are those ring-fenced and which are available to spend. However, I would like to see, as this becomes part of our standard reporting, that this strategy is extended to include mention of the Section 106 balances that we hold. Again, these are not balances we can spend easily. There is an item on the agenda tonight about Section 106 balances at Stansted. But I do think that as every now and again the question of what balances do we hold as 106 comes up, that this would be an appropriate place that this could annually be reported back to this Council. Thank you. I think that's an extremely good suggestion and I'd uh, fully endorse that. Councillor Dean, perhaps you could just indicate which of the seven papers you're referring to when you speak. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I mean, I'd just like to raise five or six points this evening. Um, I will be um, tabling or proposing amendments at the full council meeting at the end of yeah. next week, but I think this is an opportunity to uh, raise, raise a number of points to share them with you. Um, and you, you'll probably see more detail in the paper when the council papers come out, I presume, tomorrow. I think the, um, the first thing I'd, I'd like to say is I'm, I'm delighted that um, Councillor Chambers has seen the light over um, reserves. We've had a number of discussions over recent months about the need to be more rigorous with the understanding of what reserves are for. Um, I, I was critical last year that uh, we got pots of money but without much of a clue as to what they were for and, I, and I'm, I'm pleased with the work that officers have done in this report to start to shape them up better and, and you know I'm, I'm, I'm for instance uh, in full support of the shift of the 1.2 million pounds uh, in, in the housing area that Councillor Redfern has um, referred to and I think it's far better to do that than to have them sitting without any clarity and, and I also recognise or I'm, I'm pleased that it's recognised that more work needs to be done on that over the coming months and years so I think we're, uh, we're getting closer together on that so that's, that's a good point uh, and, and a, a good step forward. I'd like to ask, ask a question, and, it, and, it's and it's probably because I haven't managed to find some detail in here, but uh, I, I, I refer to page 49 uh, as, my, as my trigger for my question. Um, on page 49 at uh, C8, which happens to be about usable reserves, and it refers to economic development dropping to 
zero by the end of um, 1516, or is it, I don't know which, is it? Uh, whichever year it is, anyway, 31st of March 2016. What I, what I don't, haven't spotted is what is in the base budget for economic development, because when I see zero, zero, zero up to 2020, I get a bit nervous that, um, that there's no provision for economic development. So that's, that's a question for clarity, please. We'll take them as they come. Do you want to take, or shall I ask Mr. Webb to answer that one? Or maybe... Uh, let, let's take them as they come. I think it'll be easier. Right. Uh, as far as the uh, reserves, sorry, I didn't put the. No. As far as the reserves go, leader, yes, uh, obviously, Councillor Barker, uh, there should hopefully be no problem in including Section 106 it, uh, monies in there, so that everybody can see exactly what's there. Uh, as far as Councillor Dean with the reserves go, then obviously the whole strategy, as I said, will evolve over a period of time. With regard to economic development, of course economic development is something which we are majoring on now with regard to uh, trying to make sure that our business rates go up. Uh, as far as economic development goes, there is a lot of help going in from the strategic initiatives funds, and if the leader wished to say anything else on that, then I'm sure he would do so. But there is a we're moving forward, if you like, on, on helping as many businesses as we can and trying to ensure that we can capitalise on the opportunity that we have of getting more money in from um, business rates. Now, it's something that is very important throughout the country. Most of the, the uh, uh, councils throughout England and Wales are very much on uh, looking towards this because you can see that in the future... Whichever government gets into power, then there's going to be much more reliance on things like this than there is actually on the, what used to be the, the, the core money. Because we we, if you look in the MTFS, I think you'll find that in 2018-19, we're not going to get anything at all. We think that it will fade out altogether. So economic development is very important. But on this particular item here, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Councillor, uh, Mr. Mr. Webb. Thank you, Leader. Um, just for clarity, that item itself there, the 50,000, is the final part of the discretionary rate relief for this year. So it, it has a definitive purpose for this year in terms of other economic development things. I'm sure members will be discussing that and allocating money accordingly. On the section 106, it's not part of the budget process, so probably putting it in the reserve strategy is not the right place, but we can bring an annual summary of the 106 position for you at this time each year. And um, very helpfully, Councillor Barker has pointed out uh, Appendix B on page 159, which might answer your question. Um, there was a figure for economic development that uh, went from 127 last year to 203 the year that's just finished, 123 next year, 135. Where, where on 159. Yeah, Appendix B, there's a figure in there. But I fully endorse what Councillor Chambers has said. Economic development is uh, one of the core priorities of this administration. And uh, as you know, we've already... Uh, um, <coughs> uh, um, ...placed two... Uh, well, two additional officers effectively uh, on the subject and are doing 
whatever is necessary to increase our prosperity. No, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, yes, thank you for the pointing out the figure on page 159. I think that probably answers my question. But I, I would actually come back and say that it's, <laughs> it's one thing to th be thinking about the um, council's finances and, and sources of income, but I mean the, the key, what you might call the first issue, is getting a, a local plan in place which not only has new people and new houses coming, but also new jobs for them, for them to get into, and, and that's, that's the key to making the whole yeah. thing hang together. Yeah. Uh, the the spin-off benefit is that the business rate income increases as well. I'd, I'd start with that. Thank Le you. Leader, if I, if I could just say that that's what you were trying to explain to Councillor Dean just now, so uh, I think you've answered his question. Okay, thank you for answering my question. Um, this, can I carry on? Yeah, yeah, please yeah. do. Yeah. Um, these are in no, these are in a random order, I, I think. But um, I, I guess if we refer to page one, one fifty-one, which refers to council tax, I shall come back to some couple of spending elements afterwards. But um, council tax, the the proposal to reduce council tax by three percent. I th uh, in my opinion, this is uh, a risky move to make. Um, I, I think it's by reducing the, the base budget or the base income, uh, as we all know with council tax, you can put it down at will, but you can't put it up at will. Uh, and I did hear Councillor Chambers refer to probably more tighter financial years ahead. Uh, I don't think any of us is going to uh, deny that. And, and so I'm concerned that, uh, that the council is proposing to put the council tax down because in two years' time or two to three years' time we might suddenly find that it's got to go up by more than it can go up, assuming whatever regime, central government regimes in place from the middle of this year, uh, we might still have capping in, in place. And I, so I think that's a too high risk thing to do. What I am going to propose, obviously not tonight, but what I will be proposing is that, that the, the council makes a flat rate refund of £4.25 to every, every household or every, on every council tax bill. That's essentially the, the average which more or less equates to the figure in the table on page 151 of 429 impact on a, on a, on a band D. And I'll be doing that because um, I, think it's, I think it's more equitable. I think it's giving the same amount to everybody. It's not giving more to larger households who on the whole tend to be better off, not always, um, and less to smaller households or smaller houses where on the whole less wealthy people live. I think that we I think that the, there is an overspend at the moment, I think so I think there's every justification for giving a refund, but I, I will be um, proposing at council that it, it should be on the basis of a, a flat rate refund. In other words, the council tax stays level stays at what it is now, and, and that the equivalent in cash of a, I think it's £144,000 
uh, in total that would be refunded. It's the same amount, it's just that doing it in a different way. I think doing it in a more progressive way. So that's just something to leave with you. And I'm sure we'll have a, a discussion about that next week. Well, I'm sure uh, I, I can speak for Councillor Chambers as well. I don't, I, there's probably not a point in having the discussion tonight. We'll, as you suggest, have that yeah, discussion at well, Council. I, I'm, I'm just giving yeah, you advance okay. notice. No, thank you. <laughs> and, no, I understand. And I think yeah. it's appropriate to, yeah. to raise it because obviously the, the, the administration's proposal has been put forward. I, I will also be proposing next week that from reserves and underspends that are a figure of £400,000 is put in the capital budget over a two-year period to fund um, photovoltaic cells on council, some council property, probably not this building, but let's say the leisure centre, let's say depot <coughs> buildings. I've not, you know, that's not been worked up in detail, uh, but I, I, base, I will be basing this proposal on what has been done or <coughs> similar to something that's been done in Braintree by Braintree District Council where they're, they're investing a similar amount and of course as we all know that can lead to or will lead to energy use reductions and income from the, um, the feeding tariff. So I think, that, I think that would be a good initiative and I'll be putting that forward next week. Um, also we'll be putting forward something called um, a capital initiatives fund um, sounds a bit like the strategic initiatives fund um, but what I think the council needs to begin to do more of as within its means is, is actually pump prime some initiatives around the district which would be tied in with the, with the local plan with the new local plan um, you know we're forever whinging about infrastructure shortages or this facility hasn't been provided but it ought to have been as part of the um, as part of the local plan as part of development that, that goes on we, we at the moment we don't have much of a the council doesn't have much of a, an infrastructure uh, wish list or needs list um, that was something that came out I think as early as last April when we were when the council was agreeing the local plan um, and um, and so I think that I think there's a, there's, a, there's a case for pump priming in other words adding to section 106 encouraging more 106 if you can do that or if we get on to what is it called uh, infrastructure levy then then going with that encourage private development to happen that might not other otherwise not happen um, so I'll be coming up with a, a figure for that and and what I'd just like to say related to that is that uh, I'm still concerned about the £1 million planning reserve uh, in that there's nothing in here which says in detail what it's going to be used for. Um, I, think, I think one thing that we should do, and I will propose this next week, is that with the new uh, strategic planning working group that it is informed and agrees to studies and consultants who are 
taken on board to, to do the rest of the work over the next couple of years, um, that, it's, that it's all transparent. In other words, what I don't want to see continued is a, a pot of a million pounds that officers can dip into uh, will, as, as they think necessary, without it being discussed with members. So some form of identification and transparency on that because uh, a one million pound planning reserve that's just there to be dipped into uh, will, I think, is not doesn't give the right uh, impression. So that's, that's something I'll put forward, not, a, not as a sum of money, but as a principle that I think the Council should adopt. And finally, Mr. Chairman, some, uh, I've got a, I'm going to, I will be making a proposal which came out of the um, Performance and Audit Committee last week. We had um, uh, another of those animated discussions about recycling and about contamination and that recycling rates were... I don't know whether in the doldrums is the right word, but anyway, not, not changing much. And we've particularly got a problem with being penalised with, um, uh, with, with recyclates that are contaminated with the wrong stuff. And so I'm, I will be proposing a sum of £60,000 per annum over, over three years to employ staff to go around the district promoting recycling educating people on the right way to do it. Something that, incidentally, along the lines did happen about eight years ago before the current scheme came in. Uh, obviously, this is eight years on. Um, and, and, and I understand that there's um, uh, a case to be made for having some monitoring of the... Um, the, the stations where the, our material go and where we, we get penalised because the contractor says that it's contaminated. I think there's probably a case for monitoring that to make sure we're not, that we are being um, not charged, that we're not being charged incorrectly. So a couple of, th a couple of things there that I think fits very much. I mean, you, Mr. Chairman, were very keen that we, we got to grips with recycling. Councillor Howell was as chairman of that committee. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'd like to make a proposal that we actually put our money where our mouth is and do something about it over the next two to three years. That's, those are the points I'd like to make. Thank you, Mr. Okay, Chairman. well, thanks. As I say, we, we, we'll hold those for the Council meeting. The only yeah. comment I'll make this evening is uh, about transparency because uh, any um, investment in the planning process is fully transparent. Uh, it is uh, available on the website. It is declared at, uh, at uh, the appropriate uh, meeting. So there's, there's not this sort of pot that people dip into that is not fully transparent to everybody. So uh, I just like to put on record there and of the two million pounds that was spent on the preparation of the local plan i think it's worth noting that only about 20 25 percent of that was on external consultants much obviously of the money was on uh, officers who are employed full-time by this council and uh, we don't know at this stage what the um, cost of external consultants will be but one would imagine it would be something of the same proportion but uh, please um, don't don't think there's some kind of slush 
fund there because uh, there isn't. All your other points we look forward to discussing at the full council meeting. Um, in, in principle, I think uh, they touch on a number of our own objectives. It's just a question of how we execute them. So we'll have that debate in due course. Okay, any other questions on items? Thank you for your contribution. On items 9 to 15. I've got a proposer. I've got a seconder. No other questions. For the benefit of uh, those outside, if you'll excuse me, Councillor Chambers, I will very quickly read through. So the first, the first item that I'm going to ask colleagues to vote on is robustness of estimates and adequacy of reserves and the reserve strategy. The Council is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council that A, the Council takes account of the advice in the report when determining the 15-16 general fund budget and Council tax. B, that the Council approves the risk assessment relating to the robustness of estimates as detailed in the report. C, that the Council sets the minimum safe contingency level for 15-16 at 1.214 millions. Uh, D, that the, the Cabinet recommends to full Council that it adopts the attached reserve strategy and E, that the Council agrees that no transfers to or from the working balance should be built into the 15-16 budget. Those in favour? Those against? Abstentions? Uh, next item, temporary accommodation. The Cabinet recommends to full Council that it approves the transfer of the eight designated temporary accommodation units from the HRA to the General Fund at the estimated market value cost of £1.047 million, subject to St Secretary of State approval. You've already heard that the Secretary of State has approved, so this can now go ahead. Those in favour, please. Those against. Thank you. Medium-term financial strategy. The Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council the medium-term financial strategy as attached. Those in favour, please. Those against. Treasury management strategy. The Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council the following items. A. Treasury management strategy 1516 Appendix A. B. Prudential indicators Appendix A1. C. Minimum reserve provision statement appendix A2 and D economic forecast appendix A3 those in favour those against capital programme the cabinet has requested to approve for recommendation to full council the capital programme and associated financing of the programme as set out in this report those in favour those against housing revenue account budget the cabinet is, is, is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the HRA revenue budget and the five year financial strategy those in favour those against. General Fund Budget and Council Tax. One, the Cabinet is requested to recommend that the full Council approves the General Fund Council Tax requirement of 4.653.312 million, summarised in paragraph 24. Two, the Cabinet is recommended to approve the schedule of fees and charges in Appendix E. C, the Cabinet is recommended to approve the new criteria with regards to members' allowance, brackets, new homes, bonus, paragraph 30. Those in favour? Those against. And for those listening, uh, clearly you're, you haven't seen the full text, but it is all available on the Council website if you wish to look. So I thank uh, Councillor Chambers, I thank uh, Angela Knight and Adrian Webb for their very excellent uh, compilation and presentation. And uh, actually don't go, because uh, item 16 is uh, budget monitoring. Still Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Leader. Leader, the general fund position is set out in the table on page 182 and shows a net variable, favourable variance of £24,000. This sum is made up of a number of variances which are set out on pages 182 to 184. Most of these are one-off items and there are no significant recurring items that have not been accounted for in the 15-16 budget. 
The housing revenue account is summarised in the table on page 185. The housing revenue account has a forecasted net favourable variance of £268,000. This is made up of a number of variances as set out on pages 185 and 186. The capital programme has a forecasted net favourable variance of £2.7 million. Most of this relates to schemes that have been delayed with the budget slipping in 15-16, of which Mead Court is the largest. Finally, Treasury management, our investments are still at a disappointingly low rate. We are constantly reviewing the position and consulting with our financial consultants, Arlen Close, to ensure that we maximise our options while still keeping our investments safe. Leader, I so propose that it is noted and I propose it is approved. Seconder, please. Councillor Barker. Questions, comments? I congratulate you on your accuracy. We're normally hundreds of thousands of pounds adrift. Now you're within £24,000 of almost spot on. Almost spot on, Leader. Okay. Well done. Very good. Uh, those in favour? Those against? Item 17, Local Development Scheme. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, I'm pleased to present the revised Local Development Scheme. The papers you have set out the new timetable for the project plan for the local plan and replaces the version agreed in October 2014. This new scheme brings in the timetable for the Gypsy and Traveller site allocations into line with all other allocations into a combined scheme. Chairman, following the closure of the local plan process, there is further work to be done over the coming months, giving the Council a revised timetable that anticipates the key milestones of the local plan pre-submission consultation in May to June 2016, in July to August 2016, the submission of the new local plan, hearings in December 2016, and adoption of the plan in March 2017. Chairman, we have one recommendation that I propose is that the Cabinet approves the local development scheme. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Cheatham. Questions, comments? This has been through the, uh, as you suggest, uh, through the uh, planning uh, policy working group. Um, all those in favour? Those against? Thank you very much indeed. Item 18, Lower Street Car Park, Stansford Mount Fitchett. Councillor Barker. Chairman, thank you. Um, we have this evening some recommendations regarding Lower Street Car Park, Stansted. Um, but before I look up to the item, I'd like to say a little bit about parking issues in general. I'd like to mention that this council has commissioned a car park capacity study, which will be reporting back at the end of this month. I'm aware that the scrutiny committee of this council made a number of comments regarding parking, which need to be revisited in the light of the findings of the study. I'm also aware that in Great Dunmo, there is a second formal meeting this evening of a traffic management group looking at traffic movement around the town and again at parking issues. In conversation with the clerk to Stasdard Parish Council, so pity Councillor Dean's gone, I understand that they too are in the process of reviewing parking in the town. Chairman, I'm keen that we look at parking holistically in our towns and villages. At this Council's representative on the North Essex Parking Partnership, I'm aware of many requests for new parking restrictions that are only likely to displace a parking problem to elsewhere in the town. I look forward to meeting with representatives from Stasdard and Dunmo in due course to see how we can improve the parking and traffic issues for both residents and visitors. 
So that's just a bit of background, Chairman. This, this item tonight on Lower Street, um, we are being asked this evening to transfer a small parcel of land around four metres by four metres in the Lower Street car park Stansted to UK Power Networks to site an electricity substation associated with the development of the health centre provision adjacent to the car park and to delegate detailed discussions to the Director for Public Health Services, Public, Public Health Services, sorry, Public Services. The value of the land and the way leaves associated with this are still being assessed. Chairman, I would ask that the two recommendations that transfer be approved subject to the Council being compensated for the value of the site and way leaves and that the Director of Public Services be authorised to deal with any further detailed asset issues arising in relation to the implementation of the development and the development agreement between Hilton Developments and Council, which deals with the extension of the Council's car park in consultation with the relevant portfolio holders here. Chairman, I would add that this Council's legal costs will be met by the developer. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Cheatham. Questions? I think, as you suggest, this is a clear transfer of land in terms of item 18 on our paper, but I absolutely endorse what you said earlier about working with local communities, local uh, councils uh, in terms of parking in their area and taking that in conjunction with the independent study that has been commissioned and is about to report and, uh, and in addition, the scrutiny um, um, paper and study on car parking in Uttlesford. Taking it all together, I think, uh, hopefully we'll be able to come up with the right solution for our residents. Okay, those in favour of... This is an item for decision. Um, you have recommendations one and two that uh, Councillor Barker has uh, read out. So those in favour? Those against? Thank you. Item 19, transfer of UDC land to Great Dunmo Town Councillor, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Leader. Leader, this has been going on for quite some considerable time. Um, and the recommendation on here, it says that the land is transferred to Great Dunmo Town Council together with a payment of £46,935 subject to no objections being received following the public notice of the proposed disposal of the land. With your permission, uh, Leader, I would like to put a second recommendation on there, which reads, the Council makes sure that the land in question remains for the benefit of the residents of Great Dunmo in perpetuity for amenity purposes subject to a legal agreement. Because I, in my considered opinion, when this report was actually written, it wasn't as clear as it might have been, and it is vitally important that that, that land remains as an amenity per, uh, place in perpetuity because Dunmo uh, at that particular part is growing quite fast, and we wouldn't want any, uh, how can I put it, um, uh, any mistakes made with amenity land that, that could happen. So I, I would like to include that as a second recommendation. And I so propose, Leader. Do I have a seconder? Yeah. Councillor Cheatham. Just before I put this to um, colleagues for comment, uh, in perpetuity is, as it describes, and the world could be a very different place in 100 years. Do you want to qualify that? Because I understand exactly what you're doing and fully endorse that uh, this is amenity land and should remain so. Do you want to qualify your amendment 
with uh, some kind of um, addendum that, uh, unless it is the will of the people of Great Dumbo or something like that because nothing actually lasts forever and uh, you're protecting public land for the people of um, Great Dumbo and that is absolutely spot on. As I, as I understand, Leader, and I obviously wouldn't wish to disagree with you, but I did actually go to uh, Mr Perry, our legal adviser, who told me that what I was proposing was uh, the, the right way to put it, if I can put it like that. I've just noticed that he's, he's looking at me and he was nodding his head. Um, so I'm hoping that he might like to explain further why the way I've put it is right and the way that you've put it isn't quite what you can do. Mr Perry. Chairman, it's always possible to release the covenant from the land, and indeed there are mechanisms whereby um, the landowner can go to the lands tribunal and seek a release of the covenant if we were not prepared to agree. I think, therefore, what Councillor Chambers is proposing is the best way to try and safeguard the land, but there are provisions um, already in place whereby it can be overcome if the will of the Council so uh, requires. Oh, that, and that answers the question. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Any other questions, comments? I put it to, this is not a key decision, this is a um, consideration. It's a recommendation, but it says key decision no at the top. I seek guidance. It's not a key decision, it's just a decision. Just a decision, okay, fine. Uh, those in favour? Those against? I should explain to those who aren't in the chamber that there haven't been any against so far this evening. All the motions have been carried. Uh, moving on to item 20, the Uttlesford Cycle Strategy Consultation. I call upon Councillor Walters. Thank you, Chairman. Um, just very briefly, some background to this document, which is contained with the other papers. Um, the Uttlesford Cycle Strategy was developed by Essex Highways and commissioned by this council. Uh, during the course of last year. It's an excellent document, very detailed, as members will see from the copy that's enclosed with the papers tonight. Um, it gives us a very good steer how we should move forward. It is not a document which is stating that that is the route we have to take, but it points the possible routes for the big towns in the district and also uh, interconnecting between some of the villages uh, in the district generally. Um, it, the document is <coughs> comprehensive from the point of view of the detail it provides, including the sort of street furniture, etc. Um, the one thing that uh, is possibly lacking is the question of funding for such a scheme. And now this is going to be very critical um, for the development of the scheme, but the point is it gives us a first-class steer um, for the future. Um, the fundings aspect of it at the moment has tended to go towards the big cities in the, in the country, but hopefully the government will see the advantage of cycling from the health point of view, which they are often talking about, and will put more money into this type of work. Also, funding can come from 106 as well. Uh, as members will know, we have our cycle path, our first major cycle path, uh, coming slowly but moving forward to being signed off, and we're hoping to have it signed off by the end of this month or the beginning of next. Uh, that, I think, will be an important point because it will show uh, to those who provide funding that we are serious about a cycle path strategy, and this document will be an excellent one to follow. Um, the what I would like to propose, therefore, that members recommend or will adopt the recommendation, which is in two parts, 
A, that the Cabinet adopt and publish the Atlas Recycle Strategy, which could go on our website, I hope, Chairman, and B, that it should be used as a material planning consideration when accessing planning applications. I so put. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Um, this is indeed, as you say, an exciting day uh, to have the basis upon which we can uh, take forward proposals for, for uh, cycling and cycle paths through um, the local, local highways panel. Um, and uh, any questions, comments? Councillor Cheatham. Well, just to say that on, with regard to page 40, uh, 291, I think that's our number, 291, it's 43 of the actual high Essex Highways Strategy. Um, it would be exceedingly nice to try and get a cycle route into the airport from Takeley, the nearest village to the airport. We have been trying to persuade MAG uh, to look at this once you get into the airport because it's actually quite dangerous to cycle around. Um, uh, Manchester Airport Group who owns Stansted um, it would be quite nice to actually try and work with them to try and see if they will move this way forward because it's quite dangerous when you try to cycle around that roundabout and try to get to the um, um, to, to the cycle sheds or whatever you'd like to call them where you can leave your bike so I hope that this document will give us some uh, more power to be able to talk to them uh, maybe when people come and talk to you at the highways authority at the highways panel first of all to see if we can follow that through okay any other then i put the recommendations as read out recommendations a and b uh, to the meeting those in favor those against motion carried Item 21, Section 106, Community Pot, Stansted. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, Stansted Parish Council have long had an aspiration to redevelop at their skate park. The new facility will be within the existing leased area in the Lower Street car park. As part of the Forest Hall Park development, there was a substantial Section 106 community pot established to mitigate the impact of the residential development. Some of these monies have been spent and committed, but an uncommitted balance of some £253,955 is still held by this Council. There are a number of requirements that must be satisfied before this money can be allocated, and these are set out in paragraph 8. The main requirement is that there is a demonstrable link to Forest Hall Park. Chairman, the Parish Council has raised much money towards the total project cost of just over 174000 and has further funding bids outstanding. Since this report was written, the Parish Council has received confirmation that it has been successful in securing £30,000 from the Essex Strategic Youth Fund. They are therefore requesting a maximum allocation of £20,290, which will be reduced should other funding bids be successful. Chairman, I do believe that this project meets the criteria for spending the community pot and proposes the due recommendations um, as amended. Namely, that a maximum of £20,000, be allocated to the Stansted Skateboard Redevelopment Fund, subject to agreement with the developers as required. That the allocation will be reduced to take account of any further funding from Viridor, to whom an application for funding this project has been made by Stansted Mount Fitchett Parish Council. I so propose. We have a seconder. Councillor Walters. Uh, just as a point of correction, the actual recommendation in the paper is 52. You've explained yes. why that isn't the case, so we do need to amend that. 
Um, um, the recommendation in the paper, sorry, Chairman, is actually incorrect. You have climbed the correct figure, the original correct figure on the next page, which is 50290. So it's from that 50290, we're now taking the 30,000 to get to 20290. Okay, and that fulfills the uh, need and requirement. Okay, any other comments? Questions? Okay. Those in favour? Those against? Motion carried. Item 22, which is the Farnham Parish Plan, 2014 to 2024. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, we are this evening being asked to approve the Farnham Parish Plan and Council-approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence of preparation of the local plan. Farnham Parish has evidently worked hard on this plan, delivering questionnaires to every household and receiving responses from 67 of them. The main findings from the questionnaires returned were that most residents do not wish to see further housing. They would like improved broadband speeds and they wish to retain their small school, which recently faced possible closure. Chairman, the plan is well researched and well put together, setting targets and timescales for the parish to seek to address the issues, and I recommend its adoption to Cabinet. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Any questions or comments? As you say, Councillor Parker, a well-researched plan and um, <coughs> good luck to Farnham in its execution. Are those in favour? Those against? Motion carried. Bringing us to our penultimate item, um, item 23, compliance with the waste regulations in relation to separate collections of dry recyclables. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, I'd like to start this evening by talking about the waste that we do not wish to see, and that is the waste on our verges and our high streets. Only this morning, BBC Essex highlighted that councils across Greater Essex collectively spend £17 million keeping our county clean. This council's budget today sets aside almost £300,000 for street cleaning and litter picking, but we do need the community to help us. On March the 21st this year, there is a community clear-up day and I urge parish councils and other groups to get out in force and, where safe to do so, make our district the cleanest in Essex. Chairman, moving on to the compliance with race regulations. This council has a proud record on recycling and seeks to maintain and improve the level of recycling wherever possible. We will shortly be producing a booklet to remind residents of how they can help us with this aim and to coincide with the start of a new contract for recyclable materials. New waste regulations require that all waste collection authorities collect glass, paper, metal and plastics separately for recycling. However, they may be collected differently where it is not economically or environmentally practicable to make separate collections. Chairman, as you are aware, this council collects dry recyclables on a fortnightly basis in a split-bodied vehicle. The council commissioned a TEEP report TEEP stands for what is technically, economically or environmentally practicable to evidence whether a move to separate recyclables would improve recycling rates and be more financially advantageous to this council. This report was discussed at length by the Waste Strategy Group last week. The group looked with the findings of the assessment sorry, the group agreed with the findings of the assessment namely that separate collections of individual waste streams on a fortnightly basis would result in reduced compliance and a likely reduction in dry recyclable tonnage from 8,200 tonnes a year to 5,330. 
a 26% reduction. There would also be a considerable increase in costs in the level of about £400,000 a year, as well as additional pollution from almost twice as many vehicle miles. Weekly collections, as could be requested under our current inter-authority agreement, would result in a staggering increase in cost of £1.8 million per annum and four times as many vehicles on the road. Chairman, the Waste Strategy Group agreed with the outcome of the TEEP assessment, namely that we should continue with the system currently operated by the Council, and I would ask that Cabinet too approve the assessment. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Chambers. Any comments? Questions? I think uh, the uh, analysis is very clear, and uh, I'll ask Cabinet to endorse the attached assessment uh, in just a moment. But as you indicate, Councillor Barker, there are two um, key aspects uh, of our strategy objectives uh, within this. One is that we increase the percentage of recycling. Um, and we heard earlier before he left from Councillor uh, Dean of one way of doing that, and we'll discuss next week um, uh, our response to that. But however you do it, uh, we want to increase the level of recycling, and this is a core objective. Clearly, it has to be financially realistic, um, but it should be, because uh, if it's not, then the mechanisms are incorrect. So that is a, that is a first point. The second point is that the tidiness and cleanliness of our community is another fundamental uh, matter. As you heard earlier in the budget, we're increasing funding uh, for that. Uh, we take it very seriously, fully endorse um, your uh, outlining of the 21st of March. Um, I mean, you don't just clean up the community on one day of the year, but it is a focal point in time uh, when people can look clean and then maintain. So, um, two key strategies parts of the strategy. Councillor Cheatham. I just wanted to ask you, you're going to give out another booklet with regard to what can be recycled and not. Do you have a timetable attached to that? Because I do get asked that question quite often by constituents. I understand, and I will check with Mr Harper, that the new recycling contract is likely to start in May, and the booklet will be time to coincide with that. Any other questions? Those in favour of the recommendation that the attached assessment be approved. Those against, motion carried, which takes us to item 24, Chairman's urgent items. He doesn't have any. Uh, so the meeting closed at 8.30. I thank you for your time.